when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Cheese and pickle. All of television history is contained in the box of delights. Hello, I'm Julia Rayside. Each episode, my guest chooses a favorite TV memory to talk about. Joining me today is the writer and broadcaster and daytime TV legend, Richard Maidley. Thanks for coming. Great pleasure. It's lovely to see you. You're looking very glamorous today and sun-drenched, is the uh, word? It's suit and tie. It's, it's easy for blokes, isn't it? They yeah. just have to put a dark suit, white shirt, dark tie, and that's it. You're in another sort of zone. And, and for so many different purposes, funerals, television broadcasting. <laughs> Good morning, Britain. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So tell me, what have you come to talk about today, please? I have come to talk about, because I gather that your other guests haven't gone there yet, possibly because they're too young. No, it can't be that. No, We're all I very old. It, I think it may be. But at 63, uh, I can look back vividly to the day that man landed on the moon. <gasps> uh, I was 13 years old. 13? So I was old enough to kind of get it. Yeah, you know, it wasn't you just an abstract in. kind of, oh, man, there was that man walking in a spacesuit. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. 13, and I kind of got the science wow. behind it, and we'd done projects on it at school and everything. So on the night that it happened... Yeah. Uh, I was too up for it. I was ready for it. And this I was on, it. was it on every channel? Well, there were only two channels, but was it on all known broadcasting mediums? Was everyone just Yes, I mean, it was same? simultaneous coverage anywhere you look, but you're right. I mean, you know, there was no Channel 4 in those days. Yeah. It would have just been, it would have just been on BBC One and ITV. And yeah. I think we were BBC One, we were a BBC One family. Yeah, okay. BBC would give us the best coverage. And where were you living? What were you doing around? I was living in 13? Romford, Essex. Okay. And uh, no, I wasn't, we moved by then. Sorry, I was living in Brentwood. Oh, Essex. it's entirely different it's to very, Romford. Oh, well, listen, to anyone, anyone who lives in Essex, you will know the difference. Romford is now referred to as the East End. It's not. It's Essex. Really? Yeah. Oh. Brentwood is a bit posh. Yeah. Brentwood is like the first town you come to in Essex, which has got a bit of green belt around it. Yeah. So we kind of... You've gone up in the world. In the country. We'd gone, oh, yeah. you, if you move from Romford to Brentwood, you have gone up in the world. Gentrified. Yes. OK, and so what was the plan for the night? Did, was, was there lots of excitement about gathering around the telly for It that? was a very fixed plan for the night. Um, we, we had our supper in front of the telly. The landing took place in the sort of the mid-evening as, as scheduled. And uh, there was a lot, obviously continuous coverage of that. Yeah. And, and no live TV footage at that point um, from the landing. They oh, really? They, they, they couldn't transmit at that point. They hadn't got the area line. Oh, wow. But obviously live, <laughs> live voice transmission, you know, the eagle has landed and all that kind yeah. of thing. And I do remember that... Possibly I'm loading this with hindsight, but it became known certainly afterwards, and we were dimly aware at the time, that as Neil Armstrong, the pilot, was shepherding the lunar module down onto the surface, yeah. the computer failed, basically, oh, and it was about to land the, the, the LEM, as they called it, amongst rocks and boulders, and it would have tipped over. It was a three-legged affair, and yeah. it would have tipped over, and that would have been that. They so as die. a 13-year-old kid, were you aware there was peril now? Uh, you just could like hear a movie. Everybody you know? was, obviously, everybody at Mission Control and, and Neil Armstrong in the LEM, you know, sort of a quarter of a million miles away, were being super professional. 30 feet down, two and a half, picking up some dust. 30 feet, two and a half down, straight shadow. Four forward, four forward, drift into the right a little. 30, down a half, 30 seconds forward, just.
But I remember turning to my dad and saying, aren't they on the... They, they don't have much fuel, do they, to land? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my dad, who was very across it, saying, that's right, they've got one tank for landing <gasps> and one tank for taking off. And they can't use the taking off tank. So they've... Yeah, he's been, he's it's been so flying for a long time. It's so ridiculously perilous, isn't it? It's so like perilous. The so they had literally... They had about two minutes spare fuel. Yeah. Anyway, the computer piloted them in near enough. But then when they got there, Neil Armstrong basically looked out the window and could see all these rocks and ravines and all the rest of it. I yeah. knew that if they put down where the computer decided, then they would crash. Yeah. So he took control. And what a hero. Uh, what a hero. And took control with, with icy calm. And NASA, uh, back on Earth, knew that he'd done that. He'd reported that. And they knew, because they had a countdown clock running, that he was starting to run out of fuel. And they're such and, incredible professionals, though. When you hear the recordings of those voices, oh, uh, they are ice absolutely... Cool. Ice They're cool. scientists. Ice cool. They're professionals. And, and in particular, you could hear Armstrong Ford... And, and Buzz Aldrin, his co-pilot, Ford, Ford, yeah. Ford, down, Ford, Ford. No You're shaking thinking, in the voices. Nope. And apparently the guy who was responsible for monitoring the fuel back on Earth that yeah. was being relayed was, he, he had a watch, just an ordinary watch, and he decided he was going to time it on that. He didn't trust the computer um, clocks. So he took his watch off, and he reckoned they had about 45 seconds of oh fuel left goodness. before it would just drop. And they landed, I think, with 22 seconds of fuel left. Good which heavens. is why you hear, if you listen to the recordings, after Armstrong says... The eagle has landed. There's a pause, and then you hear the control guy saying, We copy you down, eagle. Roger, tranquility. We copy you on the ground. You got a bunch of guys about to turn blue. We're breathing again. Thanks a lot. <laughs> and what he meant was they were holding their breath because oh they thought this is, it's gonna, they're going to die. Yeah, it's yeah. So they landed with seconds worth of fuel Good. left. And we didn't know it was that tight, but we knew something quite tense had happened. Yeah, so there was a great sense of relief. And they'd landed. Wow. They were there. Man was on the moon. So visually, did you get a post-landing? Is that when you started to get pictures? You only got, pic no, you only got pictures when they stepped out, set up the camera. Right. Well, no, there was a camera that was on the uh, on the ladder that went down and, yeah. and that started working but I'll come to that yeah. uh, that worked automatically but no the only live pictures you got were after they, they exited right. the craft and, oh, did the, and did the moonwalk so by now it was sort of getting on it was quite late and it was sort of my bedtime and lots of my school friends bedtime and the arrangement was that the two astronauts were going to have a kip um, they were obviously exhausted. After um, they landed? After they landed. Oh, I didn't they, they realise there have, was such a gap Yep, they were going to have a siesta of several hours and they were going to start the moonwalk around about five in the morning our time. UK that's a great time. way to get you all to go to bed. Well, it was, yeah. <laughs> so I went up to bed and uh, my mum and dad stayed watching the live coverage just in case anything happened. And the next thing, and I went straight to sleep. And the next thing I remember, my dad's shaking me awake. <gasps> and I said, is, is, is it four o'clock? He said, no, 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 it's half past one. The astronauts can't sleep. They're so excited. <laughs> it's Christmas. It's Christmas. <laughs> they couldn't sleep. They couldn't get back to sleep. They just couldn't do it. And so Houston gave them permission to make an early That's exit. That's so sweet. Isn't that sweet? But like, Dad, can I open my presents now? <laughs> exactly. And it's, and it's never discussed. It's, that, that, that's a point that's never I've made never these days. I've never heard anyone it was, say that. No, it's true. They, couldn't, they, they were just too excited to sleep. So they get kitted up. They get the helmets on. They get the spacesuits on. And Armstrong does it. Now, that's when the pictures start to come in. Yeah. And Obviously, until that point, we didn't trust that we'd really see them. You know, it wasn't no. going to work. The camera, the signal wouldn't work, whatever. Yeah. Pointing in the wrong direction. It'd be pointing at the sun and all the lenses would go. But it worked. And it was ghostly. The images coming back live from a quarter of a million miles of space were ghostly. Yeah. And almost poetic. Um, and obviously black and white. And you saw the ladder and you saw the surface of the moon. And you thought, well, what's going to happen next? And then you saw this boot come into shot. And then another boot come into shot. And you think... My God, he's coming down the ladder. It's quite a good piece of direction, really, for some guy who's just like on the moon and can't sleep. Absolutely. It's pretty impressive artistic work. And it was, I can't tell you the impact it had on one's imagination and one's sense of reality to see live pictures of a human being climbing down a ladder about to step on the moon's surface. Yeah. It was, 
intoxicatingly exciting. It was suffocatingly exciting. You could barely breathe. Yeah. We were watching global history, world history be made in front of our eyes. We weren't reading about it the next day or, or seeing film in a cinema or on the news that night. It was happening in front of us. Incredible. In our living rooms. It was amazing. Around the world. And we knew that the whole world was watching. Well, that's it. I think that's the feeling you just don't get anymore. Um, we, we were watching TV last night and Miss World came on TV. I thought that maybe was... I mean, I, obviously nobody watches that now. It's a, it's a complete But everybody anachronism. used to. But yeah, exactly. That was a big the, deal. The, the eyeballs never all point in the same direction no. anymore. Around, around the globe, it's just it's quite a thing to think, isn't yes. it? Yes, and and you were conscious of that. You were conscious that that around the planet, whatever time of day or night it was, everybody, mostly everybody, yeah. was sitting in front of their TV screens. Suddenly, we're all just humans. Yeah, exactly. We we were yeah we were absolutely one species yeah. under under one human flag. At and that those moment. guys up there could cover us with like a thumbnail. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly right. The exactly perspective right. that must give you with is the just size a... of an extended thumb. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so he free he froze for a few moments on the with his feet on the on the pad on the yeah. landing pad that supported one of the legs. Yeah. And then he said to us, "I'm going to step off the limb now." And he stepped off one step, and there was a silence. And then he got his grammar wrong. He said the words he'd obviously long rehearsed and practiced and yes. approved. said, it's a small step for man, yeah. a giant leap for mankind. And what he should have said, of course, because the syntax <laughs> is wrong. You're going to correct his He's, grammar, well, I love well, it. I'm not the only one to correct him. What, what he should have said was, it's a small step for a man, yes. but a giant leap for mankind. Yeah, and it's, that's so always going to nickel him. Just a bit off, but... It, who, we didn't notice it at the time. Do you know what? I think everyone was like, you know what? He's on the moon. <laughs> He's on the moon. Fair play. And there he was, on the moon. Um, in shot, in camera shot. Yeah, and, and that boot print. Uh, was, of course, and then obviously subsequently we had all the amazing high-resolution photographs and footage yeah. and semi footage. But that was a TV programme that will, for those of us who saw it and were old enough to understand it, will never be a face from our memory. And yeah. it's as vivid now, and I can see it now, and I can see the packet of Smith's crisps in the bowl in front of me that Amazing. my mother would put out. Amazing. What flavour? This is very important. Plain. We, <laughs> okay, no, we were plain, plain Smith's. In, in, in Brentwood, we didn't do salt and vinegar. <laughs> I'm not sure there even was salt and vinegar in those no, no, days, no. to be honest. I think it was just one flavour. Um, <laughs> I can see the bottle of our white's lemonade. Nice. To, to the left of the TV. And I can see my parents holding hands, sitting... I was on the floor, cross-legged, and closer to the TV than them. I, can, I looked over my shoulder. I can still see them young, uh, both dead now, of course, but young, mm. holding hands, sitting perched on the edge of a Draylon sofa. <laughs> you know, it was 1969. Yeah. And intensely, almost being sucked into the tube of the, yeah. of the TV screen. And it was an extraordinary moment. And then we, well, and then we had the moonwalk and we had the commentary. Yeah. But that moment was the moment. And I don't know whether this is a false memory, if it's something that happened maybe a few days later, but yeah. I seem to remember at about five o'clock that morning going out into the back garden and looking up at the moon. Now, I'd, I'd, I'd need to check this. I'd need to go on Google and see if there actually was a moon in the sky that yeah, night and if yeah. it was visible. But I have it very clearly in my memory. Uh, if I didn't do it that day, I would have done it next to a, two or three days later. I bet everyone did. Going out and looking up and thinking, good God, there yeah. are men up there. Yeah. There are men up yeah. there while I'm looking. And that was something else, yeah. to know that there were men up there. It's incredible. And you know what? Within three or four years, as the subsequent landings came and went, it was like a bus going past your house. It's incredible, It just it? lost all the impact, which, yeah. is why, which is why NASA packed it in, because it, you could never top that. It's such you a lot of money and, yeah, and human endeavour for, ah, again, another one? Uh, yeah. Fair enough. That's why it's Mars now, isn't it? The whole the space race has And you know what? To... Once we've got there and we've put our first colony there, it'll be like the space station. Nobody will give a fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, I have to say, whenever I see the space station go over, if you do ever have, like, a, it's usually on holiday because in London you can't see anything, can you? But if I'm somewhere with, a, with no light pollution, I see the space station go over, I still get a bit of a 
ever. There are people in there. There are people yeah. in there right Do you now. Really? It's Do like you? going around the planet. That's, That's interesting. Cool. Well, we talk about space a lot. We've both got. I think we've got a different take on it. I think it's amazing. I would never be so idiotic as to go into space. Like nothing Why could would it be idiotic? Because it's terrifying and claustrophobic and like ah, get me out of here. Um, but, well, Stephen, but I, Stephen Hawking says it's well, the late Stephen Hawking says it's our destiny. He says well, that that is the only way to go. I know, and he did. He had he had to go on one of those anti grav planes in that takes you up into the wherever you need to go in the atmosphere for, for gravity to stop working mm. and so he got to you know obviously come out of his wheelchair and yes. fly around and it looked like he was having the best time ever uh, well he said he, it was the most liberating experience it of his must life. have been incredible yeah. to, to spend all that time sort of you know sort of in, in but, if, if, but if you've read the book that was actually published posthumously by his children which he was working on when he died mm. which are basically um Big answers to big questions. Oh or something gosh, yeah, like that. the legacy. Yeah. Yeah. The legacy, yeah. He there's a whole chapter basically. The question is: Is our destiny in the stars? And he says, absolutely. Well, it has to be. It has to be for what because we're doing to the planet. Yeah. we are going to burn up the planet, you know, yeah. and we need to be somewhere else. Um, we've already gone to the moon. Yeah. Theoretically, we can get to Mars. Yeah. So it's not even a question of one day will we be able to do it. Yeah. Frankly, we're able to do it now. Okay. Well, so you know, you know, the A team when they have to drug Mr. T's milk to get him to go into on a plane. <laughs> yes. if, I'll go into space if you do that. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> not happening. <laughs> but you'd do it, wouldn't you? If someone gave you the the millions of pounds to go one of those tickets on the who me? Yeah, the galactic. I like a shot. Yeah, yeah. Of course, I you'd would. go yeah. up there. I like yeah. a like an absolute shot. But the name of the guy who was on Mission Control that night, who later went up to the moon himself, he was yeah. actually an, an engineer. I can't, his name escapes me. Mm-hmm. But I interviewed him many, many years later oh, on, wow. on this morning. He was, he was an engineer, and he had an engineer's view of space, yeah. um, a technician's view of space. And I remember doing this interview with him about what it was like. I think he was on Apollo 16 or maybe 17. Anyway, yeah. what it was like to walk on the moon, and we went through all that kind of stuff. And I said at the end of it, is there anything you've never been asked about what it's like to that's go to the moon? That's actually a really good question. Well, it gets you off the hook, <laughs> Yeah, it? it totally does. And he said that. He said, well, that's a good question, Richard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there is, actually. And I said, can I, well, well, what is it? And then I can ask it you. This is live. And he said, yeah. OK, ask me what the moon smells like. <gasps> I said, pardon? He said, ask me what the moon smells like. And Whoa. I said, trick question. I said, because you can't <laughs> smell the moon because you've got your yeah, space helmet on. Surely. He said, uh-uh. He said, obviously, on the surface. But when you get back into the, the module and you repressurize, you obviously take your helmet oh. off and you brought all this moon dust in with you on <gasps> your boots, on your gloves, on your, you know, all over the place. So you bring the moon with you and you can smell the moon. I said, OK, therefore, what does the moon smell like? He said, like a rusty bucket after a shower of rain. Whoa! Isn't that a great answer? That's nuts. And I said, really? That's said, quite. Yeah. You can really. Yeah, you that can. Now. That's it. You, yeah, yeah. you can. You can form it in your in your nasal cavities already. Yeah. He said, yeah. He said it's the oxidization process. He said, but the moon. If there was an atmosphere on the moon, yeah. and you could breathe on the moon, that's what it smells like. It smells like rust in a bucket just after a shower. Just a very pungent, damp, very acrid. old metal. Yeah. Cold metal, oxidized iron. Um, that's amazing. And it's very, very strong. That's just incredible. That's what the moon smells like. Absolutely incredible. Oh, I, I, the closest I ever got to reliving watching it on TV was, did you see, there was lots of moon landing anniversary programmes on in the last few months, obviously, because it's the anniversary. And the BBC did a brilliant reconstruction, which was called Eight Days uh, to the Moon and Back. And it was people lip syncing to those archive. Oh, I did see it. Released. No, I watched that. It was just extraordinary, wasn't absolutely it? Absolutely yeah. incredible. Because yeah. they, you know, actors were just, you know, yeah. having to embody those characters whilst sort of lip syncing. Really yes, I watched it. To, it was amazing. Brilliant. It's still on the iPlayer. If you want to go and find it, I, I highly recommend it. They're going to leave it there for a year, I think. So, yeah, eight days to the moon and back is brilliant. If and you weren't lucky the, uh, enough to see the real thing. And one of the things which didn't become apparent until the years and 
decades afterwards was actually how risky the whole thing was. Yeah. I mean, actually, at the time, we were sold the myth that it was super safe and they were across everything. They were not. Literally From takeoff to landing wrong, to back again, they were there dead. were so many things that had gone wrong. Completely. I mean, on those huge Saturn rockets, they were sitting on a bomb, basically. Yeah. And, of course, sometimes they went off. They, yeah, exactly. Um, and, obviously, we had Apollo 13, which nearly came to grief. Uh, there were issues on Apollo 11. They couldn't they couldn't find the switch to, 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 to switch on the, the, yeah. the rocket to take That's off. Why we've got so many amazing got films. To fix it. I mean, there's so much that could have gone wrong. Yeah, they, they absolutely. All could have, and they knew that. The bravery, the calmness, the coolness, the resourcefulness was something I still am lost in admiration I for. I know, you astronauts know? are, I mean, they strike me as superhuman because they're not just the scientist brain. They are They are incredibly clever. They're also physically very, you know, highly trained sort of bodies and muscles and things. Mm. And the bravery you'd have to just, to know that anything could kill you at any yes. moment and just to risk it all. And the quick thinking. Wow. Under pressure, the calmness, yeah. under pressure to think quickly it's um, a, and correctly. Yeah. They are role models, certainly. So that's one of my all-time TV memories for you, Donna. <sighs> I, that was kind of incredible. Before you go, mm-hmm. now I didn't tell you about this, can you reach into this here box, the box of delights? Um, and there's a question, a quick-fire question. Just don't look, pull one out from the bottom. Right, OK, got it. <laughs> Who is your favourite TV puppet? Uh, Miss Piggy. Miss Piggy. Miss Piggy. I can we'll, see why, but go on, tell me well, why. We, well, because she, I think, is the, the funniest of the Muppets. And have you must have interviewed her. Yes, we interviewed Miss Piggy on this morning. And the reason I remember it is <laughs> because uh, Judy and I were either side of her and Frank Oz, who worked her, was lying on his back. Yes. On behind, we, were behind the, we were in the kitchen set and he was on his back under the, under the <laughs> stove, basically, with these long sticks working Miss Piggy and right. doing the voice, you know. Yeah. And it was a completely, he insisted, and we were very happy to do this, to do an ad lib interview. There was nothing scripted. Amazing. So we did about 10 minutes in the kitchen with Miss Piggy and it just got funnier and funnier and funnier and finally this is how it finished I said going sort of back to the format I said okay Miss Piggy this has been a, has been a great honour obviously to meet you and where can we see you on your on your tour <laughs> and Frank Oz gave the date he says oh I'll be at the uh, Birmingham Hippodrome on November the 21st and I said November the 21st she said yes and I said what a coincidence and I turned to Judy and I said because that's our wedding anniversary isn't it and she, 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 she said really I said yeah really she went who cares <laughs> and that was the outline. It was great. I was going to ask you if you flirted with her, but I'm guessing you didn't. <laughs> I, th- I wouldn't be able to help but flirt with a Muppet. If I met Kermit, I'd flirt. I yeah, win. and of course, Miss Piggy had beautiful blue eyes. Yeah. I have to say that, which she, which she batted to great effect. So, yeah, <laughs> Miss Piggy. Richard, thank you so much. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. You can find links to the YouTube clips from today's episode on our Twitter feed at Box Delights Pod. Come and say hello. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.